Welcome to another Vireal USA podcast. This is Alan, and um, I'm here with Zach Hicks, who is going to be taking over um, as of March 1st as our um, uh, site manager. You've already, if you follow the site, you've already seen him, his byline, a number of articles, and uh, he was part of our group last podcast, but I really wanted to have just a, a chat with him so he can tell you a bit about himself and a bit about um, how he views the Ariel USA and the Ariel and all that stuff. So, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, and uh, I'm really blessed by the opportunity to uh, work with the site. I'm really excited. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, for those who don't know, I expect most do, but the the impetus for this actually came from. Um, the state of California um, passing a law that was intended to, I think, deal with Uber and Lyft um, abuses of, of uh, contract labor, but ended up catching people like me who <laughs> who are uh, living in California and and um, are are writing for a site like like SB Nation. And uh, not to get into the details of that, but. You know, it, 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 uh, it is what it is and it's worked out. We've come out okay on the other side with Zach. So, um, I think that's, I think that's fine. Um, I've been doing this for a long time and it's good to have somebody else take over, I think. So I, I think, I hope you have as long a run and as, as, uh, good a run as I did, but don't have, don't get us relegated. Okay. All right. No, no relegation. All right. I'm, I'm already not off to a great start. We got knocked out in the uh, Copa by second division side, but I, I'll try to get Kaleha fired before he uh, takes <laughs> down again. Yeah, we. Uh, well, Mirandes is. You know, we've we've had history with them before, where they've knocked us out of the cup, but um, at least this time we we weren't uh, in the position where we went in there. Um, with uh, with the team being in the relegation zone the way they were in in uh, 2011 12, but um, it sounded as though our performance wasn't much better. Although in fairness, I think I don't know that Kaleha could. Um, I kind of lay this loss at the at the more in the front office for not getting us more central defenders. I think having to play with um, Chakla in the first team was never a good idea. <laughs> but no, a twenty a twenty six year old is still in the Spanish third tier for a reason. So. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So. Um, yeah, so you've been you tell us a bit about your background in terms of writing for soccer, football, you know, whatever. Okay, well, I uh, the first time I ever uh blogged about um about soccer was when uh I got an opportunity through a buddy of mine to uh to write for SB Nation for the Everton site, Royal Blue Mercy. Uh, I think my first article actually was um, talking about uh, uh, some of Ronald Koeman's new signings, and I completely covered myself in glory by touting Sanjo Ramirez as someone that was going to be a great success in the English Premier League. Um, yeah. and 
Well, we've all had those. Was not, was not my <laughs> best, yeah, was not my best takeover. Uh, but I've got a soft spot for Spanish players and Spanish strikers, and I think it blinded me a little bit. Um, so I, I I've been writing, I, I've been writing for them for for three years now, and um, in that time, I've also had the opportunity to to cover. Uh, La Liga for various other websites, various other blogs, um, some more high profile than others. Um, I've written about soccer here in my home state of North Carolina, covering North Carolina FC and, uh, and show on university soccer and, uh, even got the, the chance to, uh, get some press credentials to a U.S. men's national team game against Paraguay a couple years ago in Raleigh, which is a ton of fun. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't consider myself a, a soccer expert. I don't consider myself a soccer journalist. I, I grew up playing basketball when I actually did that in college, but I've fallen in love with this sport and I've really enjoyed writing about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's, um, something that has been true for, a, for a lot of us that, you know, we didn't, I mean, it was certainly true with me. I didn't grow up playing soccer because when I was growing up, we didn't have all the youth soccer opportunities and things we did now, but it really took, um, uh, much later, you know, being in going to college and seeing, um, even, <laughs> you know, the division three soccer was still better than nothing, you know? And, um, right. and so I think that was, that, that's you kind of get interested then, and um, and you you find teams that you like, you find you find uh, stories that you like, and that's that's certainly been true with with uh, Villarreal, I think, for a lot of us. Um, how did you how did you come to appreciate La Liga and, and Spanish strikers so much? Well, you know, one of the um one of the biggest moments in American uh, soccer history is actually, of course, as we all remember, when we beat Spain in the, the 2009 Confederations Cup. Uh, but that uh, that whole era of Spanish football, where you just had you had so many players that were, especially especially midfielders, and you had guys like David Villa and Raúl González out there, and just that whole era of Spanish players, I think, just really, really captured the imagination about what what football and possession football and attacking football could be. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's reflected in a lot of teams in the league. Um, I think one of the benefits of La Liga not being quite as financially successful as the Premier League is is that the financial consequences aren't quite as bad if you go down. So a lot of smaller teams are more willing to attack and more willing to actually play and give their fans something to watch because if they happen to knock off a, a Villarreal or a Real Madrid or a Valencia, you know, it's something they can talk to the, you know, they can talk about the pub for the next 20 years. Um, and, and, you know, that just, the whole, the whole atmosphere around it, I think is just, to me, is better than just about anything you see anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, I think the, um, it's gotten, Better also, I mean, it's, there's still obviously a lot of, uh, there's a lot more money at the top and the whole, all of the discussion about, you know, the European super leagues and things like that are, are out there for everybody. 
But I think in one thing that's happened in the last couple of years in Spain, once the new TV deal kicked in, is that we've seen teams, the, the competitiveness of teams that are like mid table and, you know, mid to lower table are really quite good. And even the relegation sides, um, I mean, you see it this year where Espanol and, and Leganés, anyway, well, I think Leganés made mostly um, loan signings, but the teams down near the bottom can actually do something in January to improve themselves. And, you know, seven or eight years ago in La Liga, that wasn't true. I mean, you would look at a team, you could see a team at the start of the year and think, oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, yeah, even even a couple of years ago, the last time Granada went down, I think they had something like 14 loan signings. And yeah. it, it was just, I mean, they had no money to bring anyone in permanently. And, and it was just, you know, it, you knew that was doomed from the start. There was no chance they were ever going to go anywhere. Yeah. Cause at some point you see those players, it's, it's, it's almost like the, they, once you get to a certain point in the season, you realize that those players are not playing to stop, you know, to avoid relegation anymore. They're playing for, because they're on loan. They're playing for, the um opportunity to to uh, you know showcase themselves for their parent side or or you know getting getting to go somewhere else because they know they're not you know when the team goes down none of them are going to stick around and right I, I, I always i always describe it as trying to avoid personal relegation so the team <laughs> might that this club I'm playing this jersey I'm wearing might happen to go down but I still want to be in the league next year so I got to show what I can do yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of the way that, um, that's kind of the way that, uh, I think the, the loan signings, when you, when you have teams that try to make a lot of loan signings to stay up, even if some of the loanees are, are pretty darn good, it, um, it just doesn't always work. It takes, I mean, Wesca last year were a good example where it took them so long to gel as a team that by the time they had a little mini run and it seemed like, well, maybe they would get out of trouble. They were too far behind to, to, to make it. And, um, you know, and, and they didn't. So, um, so yeah, I think that's one thing that's interesting. And of course the other is that, um, you have, you have a wide variety of, I think more variety of ownership and a variety of, um, kind of, uh, connection to the community in Spain than you do with some, with some other leagues. I mean, I'm thinking particularly of like the whole, um, athletic Bilbao, um, athletic club, you know, only signing Basque players and, and all of that. And then you have teams like Villarreal who are, who have basically, um, you know, come up in the last 20 years and, and, you know, apart from a couple of blips here and there have been remarkably successful for, for what's a small market team. Right. And I mean, conversely, you have things in England, like uh, I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday talking about uh, West Ham and talking about how they, they moved from their um, stadium Upton Park, right, right there in the middle of their neighborhood where the club had grown up. And they moved to London Stadium because it's bigger and we're bringing more match day revenues. But when you do that, you extricate yourself from the community. And I think you've lost something important, uh, especially in the sport of football. You've lost something really important when you do that. And that's one of the great things about Villarreal is that I don't think the ownership has any intention of doing anything like that. It wants to stay focused on the community. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the only thing, 
I mean, Villarreal is always, um, it's an interesting situation because the team, you've got a stadium that fits, you know, roughly 25,000 people. So by English standards, it would be more of a, um, I guess, uh, second tier, um, or even maybe third tier ground. I mean, there's some teams playing down there that have stadiums that were designed to hold that. And, um, but the, but the thing for Villarreal is, is that we don't, you know, our, our catchment area is, is not that big. We, um, we sell out the, the ground for, you know, major European matches and things like that. But, you know, normally it's like if you can get 18, 20,000 people there, that's, that's quite good. And I think that's true of a lot of Spanish teams that the, um, I did see something this morning that Espanol's next home game is actually a sellout. And people are like, well, when was the last time that happened? You know, it's, right. it's, it's kind of nice in a way that you can usually go to a ground and just, you know, walk up on the day and buy a ticket and go in and, and watch the game. It's different than the, um, than the Premier League, everything being, um, all super expensive and, and, uh, but generally I guess a sellout too. Um, it's one thing that is different is that in England um fans get much more into the into the away travel experience and it's taken time for that to catch on in Spain although I think it's starting to yeah um and, and you know even even Barcelona and Real Madrid don't I mean they're they're only putting about 75% capacity in their stadiums on a on a week on a week to week basis Mm-hmm. And, uh, in some ways that's good. I mean, I mean, obviously you love for it to have, I think everybody would love to have a, a legendary atmosphere at every single match, but I, I don't think that's particularly feasible, even though I, it's a, it's a whole lot cheaper to go to top flight sports in Europe than it is here in America. I mean, yes. The, 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 I, I saw, I saw something the other day about them just being uh, some club or another was infuriated that they were paying uh, 45 euros for a big sold out derby match. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, do, do you know what Lakers tickets cost just on a regular <laughs> Tuesday? Like, I, you know, like, I, I would never, would never be able to do that kind of stuff in, in, here in America. But anyway. Yeah. I also don't know about the whole resale thing here because Compared to, compared to Spain, because my, you know, my impression is that you probably don't have, except for, you know, maybe for the Classicos or something, but you don't have quite the demand for here, you, you know, you've got all these, um, ticket resellers and people that buy in group and then, and then, you know, sell off to, um, on whatever, you know, different sites are. And in Spain, you don't, you don't tend to have that much problem with it. I think the biggest um, thing is simply the the um, home team controlling the number of of um, seats that'll sell to away um, fans that you know that are that are buying them through the club. I, I have heard of problems where, for instance, Valencia was, was hosting Celta recently, and this fellow wanted to go, but it was like Valencia had sold. Tickets to, to Celta to bring, you know, for their like um, supporters groups had planned a trip, 
but then walking up on the day and saying, oh, I'm, I want to buy a ticket and I want to sit with the Celta people <laughs> was, was harder. Right. So, you know, there's still. I, I think, I think that balance, I think that balance between sports as a business versus sports as a community event, uh, is one that, um, Europe struggles with a lot more than America does. And in America, we pretty much accept that our top flight sports, they're all businesses. I mean, whether, <laughs> and there are, they're even single entity here. You know, you're, you're dealing with franchises of the NBA or the NFL or Major League Soccer. Um, but I think in Europe, there's this thing where top flight football is massive, huge business, but how do you balance between uh, being a business and still being something in the community? And frankly, I think it's one of the things that, um, that Villarreal does best, that, that Villarreal does better than almost any other club I know of in Europe, where they're still very tied to their local small community, uh, but they operate in such a way that the business model is healthy, that it's self-sustaining, and that it's that it still provides them better funding than most of the clubs in La Liga. Um, I, fortunately, I mean, the, yes, there's still you know a, a big three in La Liga. But fortunately for us, those big three tend to buy very stupidly. Um, <laughs> just, 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 I mean, just look at the, the, the number of goals contributed by hundred million dollar or more forwards at Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico this year. Cause they all have, uh, Dembele hasn't done a whole lot. Hazard's been hurt all year. Joel Felix was way too young to get that kind of thing. So as long as they're spending stupidly. And we're spending intelligently, which I guess can be debated after we promote a B teamer and try to throw them into the first team. But um, as long as we spend intelligently, we can compete with them. We got a chance to actually do something and have some success. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's right. And I think and it's a good point that that balance is something that is a little different. Um, I think it's one thing that for fans of Virial who are not in Spain, so, you know, people that are, that are listening to this podcast, it's one thing that is, you have to kind of find your own balance to that because as, you know, growing up in America where, as you say, sports teams are pretty much, um, you know, they, they may pay some lip service to, to the, community but but they're basically franchises um and there's not a whole lot of connection in most cases between the between the franchise and the and the town where they happen to be housed and in fact we've seen plenty of franchises just pick up a move for a better deal somewhere else you know there's no there's no um deep community connection with Virial and I think with certainly with with Spanish sides generally there is um I think for Virial particularly, the, the thing that's a little, um, difficult, and this came out, um, with some, some people commenting after yesterday's loss to Mirandes, is that Senior Roy always says, you know, and we always have this big, you know, after, once we get to 42 points, we celebrate staying in the first division, you know, for another year, because that's kind of your, that's, that's sort of the, point at which you feel feel you're safe and that's fine but at some point you know is that is that your only ambition (laughs) um if you're if as a community team yes it probably is as a as a franchise as a franchise 
No, obviously you want to do better than say, hey, I'm here for another year. And so I think for for fans of the team, having having gone to Virial and having seen us play there and having you know walked around and heard the local fans talk, yeah, you totally get that. That that you know it's 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 the big thing is is being there and just competing. For people overseas, I think that I think it's a little more. You know, yeah, we want to compete, but we really want to be in the top six. We want to be in Europe. We'd like to win the Copa del Rey sometime. And so, well, yeah. The other thing I'd say, though, and I can compare this to my experience being around the Everton fan base for the last three years. Um, it, because the Everton fan base does have that expectation, you know, there was a time in the 80s and previous where they won where they won titles, and now they've got this owner that wants to pour all kinds of hundreds of millions millions of pounds into the club and spend and buy all these players. Um, that kind of ambition can turn toxic really quick to yeah. the point where like, you know, after hardly any games whatsoever, they've already made up their mind on a new player or a new manager because this, you know, because oh no, we're heading towards eighth place again. And it's this heavily negative thing. And, and I, I gotta say, I mean, it, it to me, it's, it's been a, it's been a palate cleanser being around the, the community of the around USA because you come around folks that, yes, there are frustrations. Yes, there are times that Clay had those things that don't make sense to us and we don't understand why we didn't go get a different defender. But it's not this, like, you don't feel like people want to burn anything down because of what happened. Like, you know, we're on a, we're on a pretty good run of form. Some things don't go our way. We're upset today, but we got another game on Saturday and you just, you keep going, you keep rolling. And I, there's something really healthy about that to me that I really appreciate. Yeah, I think so too. I I keep I always think back to the match that my wife and I went to in Villarreal, which we were playing Sevilla, and it was um, in the league, and it was right after we had it's the same year, but we ended up playing them in the Europa League, and they had just eliminated us as it happened from that. But then we played them in the league. And, you know, the first half we played really well, hit a post, um, should have gone ahead. Second half they got a cheap goal pretty early and added one late. We lost 2-0. And obviously, you know, you're disappointed you didn't win. But, you know, the fans coming out after the game, it was like, well, we we played hard. You don't always win. And it, nobody was screaming, you know, to, you know, get rid of the owner, or get rid of the coach or anything. It was just like, eh, it happens. And I think that's, you know, if you're too far that way, then you, then, you know, you have the lack of ambition issue. But on the other hand, you also have to look at it as um, you're not, yeah, it, you're not, it, it gets really toxic really quickly when you take things way too seriously and, and demand that you win every game. Nobody can win every game. If you want to, if you want to, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to read, um, examples of that, you know, go to the Barcelona and, and Madrid websites, um, um, on SB Nation and you'll see all sorts of comments. So you're like, oh my God, you know, it's like even if you win every game 5-0, it's not going to be enough. Right. <laughs> um, well, and, and the, the other thing is, it, it's one of those things if, and not saying that it doesn't happen in spurts over the course of a long season, but if for like years on end, the mention of your football club makes you feel, you know, upset or anger or, or gives you consternation, you have an, un, you have an unhealthy relationship with your football club. Yeah. You know, and so, so 
And when the whole, when that starts happening, it, it, it's like contagious in a fan base. Like once it, once it sets in with a small group of fans, it grows. And at a certain point, it just, it defeats the, it defeats the purpose, you know, like sports is supposed to be a, a, a release and escape from some of the, the really frustrating things that go on in our world. And if we can't treat it that way, then we have an unhealthy relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it always reminds me of the, um, Oh, an old, uh, Beetle Bailey cartoon, I guess what it is where the general is sitting at his, at his desk moaning about all these things going, you know, the Pentagon, this and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's always golf, you know, goes right. out and plays golf and comes back and he's got the same, same list, litany of, of problems, but now he's added his golf score to it. It's like, <laughs> if you're not, you know, if you can't, if you can't just, you know, enjoy things, um, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously, as you say, we're all going to be upset at times, and and we see that on the site where people are, you know, people vent. Of course, I mean, you you want to you want to do well. Um, it is a it is a sport, and it is a situation where we're competing um, for players. We're competing, you know, for talent that you know we're not always going to get all of it. I mean, I always. Um, the transfer windows are always are always fun to to uh, go through because you you know there's certain certain players that you just know are are not going to be priced in your range and then you're just trying to work the margins to do what you can and i think most of the time people are pretty um understanding of that i think our biggest questions are more along the lines of why didn't we you know, put more money into a particular position. Why did we do this? And those are all those are all good debates to have. And those are things that, as fans of a team, um, you know, that's that's a that's a great debate to have. But when it gets to the point where you're so angry with the front office that you that you you know the mention of the team just makes you mad. That's that's not what we're here for. Well, and you, you don't at Villarreal, you don't have this thing that you talked about looking at other, uh, you know, fan comment sections on SB Nation. You don't have this thing where like your striker goes three games without scoring and you got people in the comment section on the fan base going, well, why didn't we buy Killian Mbappe last Sunday? That's last summer. And it's like, well, um, that's just not going to happen. That's not going to be an option. We can, we can have an interesting conversation about maybe you know, inexpensive options that may have filled the center back hole better or somebody that wasn't, you know, made of, you know, delicate glass to come play left back or, you know, something like that. But like, <laughs> it's not this thing that like, you know, oh, you know, Ansveris had a bad game, so we need to go buy Paul Pogba. Like, it, it, we don't have that kind of nonsense going on. And that's no, good. Don't. And, and I think the other thing is, is that we also have um, – we don't have that going on. The other thing is that we don't have one of the things about Spanish football, apart from, um, I would say the big three and maybe even just the big two is that we just don't get Virial is a, is a small club in a, in a, you know, basically a 50,000, um, uh, person town and it is owned by essentially by the Raj family and, they don't, there's not a lot of gossip and a lot of, a lot of stuff that gets out. 
you know, you don't, it's not like when you're, when you're a fan of, of, um, Barcelona and Madrid, you can, you can go on, you can, you can do any sort of search online and immediately find 20 other people and 20 articles talking about what's going on here and what's going on there and what real, what, what was really said to whom and everything like that. And with Villarreal, you don't get that. Yeah. Um, yeah it makes, it, that does make our job harder at Villarreal USA, it does, but. It makes, it makes our job harder because we don't have – we have to rely more on official sources for things, and right. we don't really know. I mean, there are all sorts of various things that have happened in Viriel's history where we are never going to really know the true story. I mean, the whole thing about um, Marcelino being fired and, and, for example, it's, you know, who knows what really happened. Um, it, but – we're never going to get the whole story on something like that. The the most that will happen is that you'll get one of the local writers will write a long time after it happened, you know, and kind of kind of refer to things. Um, the situation with Bruno Soriano is kind of like that, where nobody really knows what's going on. Right. I mean, we haven't known for a year what's going on, and that's that's the frustration. From as you say, from the site standpoint, that we often can't really add a whole lot there because even though we have people who um, who follow us and and um, um, do some writing for us, in fact, who are local, they're not going to know either because right. the club does a good job of keeping things pretty pretty tight. So there's that. While, while, while we're on the topic of the site. I think this is a a good segue to to talk about that a little bit. Um, And and so I I, I was scanning over what we did in January, and I think the site had like 37 articles or something like it, like that, from the month of January. And and I think I think I wrote like 20 of them. Now. I don't mind writing a whole bunch of articles like that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. But I don't think anyone on planet Earth really wants just my opinion on Villarreal. Like, at a certain point, you're gonna be like, hey, Zach likes analytics, Zach doesn't like VAR, Zach thinks that Kaleha's style of play is boring, and like, you're just, you're gonna know what I think. And that's just, that's not gonna be so interesting. So, what, what I would really love to do is if, is if anybody listening, if anyone who reads the site has just been itching to make their voice or their opinion on Villarreal known, get up with me because we'll, we, we can work it out where you can get an article up on the site. Um, I, I want a variety of voices. I want a variety of topics. I think folks have, have seen that I've been trying to it, – it's difficult to cover the women's team because they're in the second tier in women's soccer in Spain right now, which is tough to follow. But we're trying to cover the women's team. We're trying to cover the B team. I'd like to, in the next few weeks, do some stuff on the um, academies that Villarreal has here in America because I think those are really cool. I, I want to cover the club top to bottom because I think when you don't have that 24-hour gossip cycle like some other clubs do, that's how you that's how you invest in the club is you 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 invest in the whole club top to bottom, not just the men's first team. And, and so if you're someone listening, reading, whatever, that has just been dying to, you've got that, that hot take, that boiling opinion, that thing that's been eating at you away all year long, be a reality opinion, come let me know. I'll help you get on the site because I want, 
I want all those voices to be heard in what we're doing at the Real USA. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, I think we I think we definitely um, over the years the the site has sort of there there have been ups and downs in terms of the number of people who have written for it and 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 published on it. And I think it would be great to have um, a variety of opinions. And I think that's one of the things that we're um, trying to do on the on the um, on these podcasts too is get some people who can. Um, who may not necessarily write for the site, but who are, you know, certainly comment on it and everything and kind of get them, um, involved and, and get a variety of opinions. I think that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fun. And the podcast gives us a little bit more opportunity to talk to some of the, um, the Real employees. Like, you know, we've had Thomas and Lucy and Vicki Arnold on here who, um, can kind of give us a little different perspective than, um, than um we we can so far and, away. And by the way, by the way, uh don't take that I know you don't, but just so that anyone listening, don't take that kind of stuff for granted because most clubs, most soccer clubs that have SB Nation sites, um the club doesn't offer that kind of access. I mean the the, the fact the fact that Thomas is as open as he is that I can just drop him an email whenever and get information like that kind of stuff is special. That that's one of the things that comes from following a community oriented club and a club that isn't that isn't so big and so hung up on the business side of things that it's you know, that they just wouldn't bother with this little website over here because there's, you know, eighty five thousand, you know, fan sites out there. Like, getting that kind of special attention is is a real, real blessing. Yes, that that is that is true, and we really we really appreciate that. But um, you know, I think there there are certain things that are that we, of course, we'd love to be able to sit down and have a chat with Santi Cazorla or something like that. That that's <laughs> that's a lot harder. But um, but things like but getting access to the club at all and getting getting details on what on what is going on and and being able to talk with them about um sort of the development academies here in the US and uh, and other countries is is really um something that's that's it's nice and it's nice that when we you know anybody listening to this you know if if you're ever planning to make a trip to Virial and see the team play you know by all means let let um Zach let me know because the what we've always found is that the club has been very helpful in in um you know arranging for you to to uh you know go to the game and and uh have and and you know that that kind of thing it's it's you they really appreciate the fans from from far away so that's that's so that's another good thing to mention anything else you want to say before we wrap it up i think we've had a good good chat about uh about your about your plans for the site and uh I mean, I think everybody can can see that uh, in spite of yesterday's match, I think we're all excited of, about a variety of things, and and the site is the site is looking good. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm excited about the opportunity. I, I'm excited about the club. Um, I'm I'm excited about where I think the the site can go. So I just I appreciate. Um, I appreciate everyone who has been interacting on the, the forum. Um, if there have been 
a few things that have been a little clunky as I'm still trying to figure out how everything works from a managerial side point. I apologize. We'll keep smoothing those things out. And uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, ideas, you know, uh, reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm very open to that sort of thing. That sounds great. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, the, the clunkiness is only going to, the, you're only going to improve dealing with things like that because, you know, I am the master of clunk. How <laughs> these things look. So anyway, for, for Zach, this is Alan, um, end of the Arial and, uh, hopefully we'll have better luck on Saturday. Absolutely. End of the Arial.